we are different people and we all have different backgrounds, but most of us know at least the Cliff's Note version of the story, the story of God, where in the beginning there was nothing but God, just God. And God decided to create something that would reflect his glory. And he chose to do that with creation. But as he created everything, all the living things around us, the problem was even though all those things reflected some of the greatness of God, none of it could relate to the greatness of God. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. God called it good, but none of it could relate. So God chose, not out of necessity, out of choice, he chose to create men and women in a way that we can not just reflect his greatness, but also relate to his greatness. That's why we talk about having a relationship with God. We have the capacity to be able to relate to him. But the problem with any relationship is there is freedom, there's choice, and we chose to rebel. We had the freedom. We could either choose to surrender or we could choose to rebel. We could choose to worship or we could cling to our pride. We had that choice, and we chose ourselves. And when we did that, we did not just divorce the creator. Because as the giver of life, as the creator of life, life itself, we divorced ourselves from life, which meant that the result was death. So we divorced ourselves from life and found death. So from the very beginning, our greatest need has been a resurrection. Resurrection wasn't just something thought of when Jesus was around. Our greatest need since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the creation of man and woman, has been resurrection. We've needed something miraculous to happen to breathe in, to give our souls lives again, to give our hearts and give our hopes life again, something to breathe into us, to let us begin again. We need a miracle. And God chose, as many of us know, to perform that miracle by wrapping himself up in skin and coming to us in the form of his son, who was born to this beautiful little virgin girl named Mary, who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. They had Jesus, they named him Jesus, and then he grew up just like all of us grew up. He had the same experience growing up. He learned to walk. He learned to talk. He learned to say excuse me when he burped. Like he just, he learned, he grew just like all of us do. He had that human experience, and yet through it all, he didn't sin. He chose over and over that relationship he had with God the Father, over and over. Then when he was 30 years old, he was at a wedding party, and it was packed out kind of like this. And it was a little overwhelming for the host, and they ran out of wine. And his mother looked at him as only a mother can look at a son and said, it's time. It's time. And it seems to be that Jesus was a little uncertain as to whether he was going to do that, but it was time. And he changed in that moment water to wine. And in doing so, revealed a little of the greatness of God to people in a way they had never seen before. But from that point on, nothing was ever the same. He began traveling, and he began meeting people and slowly revealing the greatness of God the Father that was in him, God the Son. He chose 12 men to travel with him, to learn with him, to live with him, and to live as he lived. And along the way, they got the teaching, but they also were able to firsthand know what it was to know the heart of God. Then when he was 33 years old, they gathered to celebrate again. They were a party and group of people. And they gathered again at this Passover festival. And they were ready and they were excited about what was going on. 
and they got together, and Jesus revealed, this one is going to be different, and this one's going to be my last one. And one of his 12 companions sold him out, allowed him to be captured, arrested, taken away. He was given this ridiculous trial, and he was sentenced to die for the crime of claiming to be the son of God. But he was going to die. He was sentenced. Ultimately, he was crucified, and it was over, or so they thought. The story was over. He was there, and he died for us. But what you and I need to realize, especially on a day like today, on Easter Resurrection Day, is that Jesus did not just come to die. He didn't come to comfort us in our coffins, and he didn't come to just give us a little bit of uh, encouragement as we're all six feet under needing that resurrection. He came to do more than just die. He came to defeat death. So it was more than just experiencing crucifixion, which that was a big part of it. But Sunday needed to happen, and that is why today is so incredibly special for us. It's that day we celebrate this rest of the story. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, it says, At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And then I usually stop there, but there is this odd phrase, now I have told you, which is a very Yoda moment. Told you I have now. Like, here's the thing. Like, I shared it with you. Now go do something with that. So the angel's there and gives them the news that we all know in our Cliff's Notes version of the story, that he's not here, he's alive. Now go and tell everyone. Now, you're not going to go and tell unless you actually believe and that was the problem. These women wanted to believe. They wanted to believe that Jesus was actually alive, that he had walked out of the tomb and said, I'm not here anymore. I'm moving on. I'm bringing life with me, and I'm calling all people to live in resurrection power. They wanted to believe that so badly. But they're experiencing it just like you and I are experiencing it. Imagine today if just remembering people that you're not getting to spend Easter with. You decided to stop by and pay your respects. And you showed up there, and the ground had been turned, and there was nothing but a hole in the ground, and a stranger sitting on the headstone saying, what's going on? What, what, have, what do you mean? What have you done? I mean, there's, there are emotions of anger and frustration and fear and confusion, and, and the moments where you don't even know what to say, just to stare at, like, some, what happened? And that's what they were feeling. And imagine being told, oh, oh yeah, him. He's not here. He's alive. He walked on out. You go to that special person's grave and some stranger says, oh, she's at the store. Like, what? What do you, what do you mean? Well, the grave couldn't hold her. Like, you knew that. She's stubborn. She's out. Like, what? Like, there's just all this happening. And we look back at it as if they were just floating to the grave and heard the angel like, oh, that's right. And what? No, 
It was just like you and me going to the graveside. What do you mean he's gone? What do you mean he's alive? Well, he said he was going. He said a lot of things that we didn't understand, to be honest. So what do you mean? And they had to make the decision. As hard as it is for us, are we going to believe? Are we going to run tell people? Or are we going to stay right here and just figure this out and maybe wait till someone else notices the tomb is empty and then we can just follow suit and do what they do? How are we going to move forward? And the reason I bring this up in this way today is I think many of you have believed, but you've believed the story. You've believed in a story, but you've never believed in the Savior. You believed in the story because you don't have a better story, another option. You know there are other ways of thinking and having other worldviews, but honestly, you just haven't done the work. You know there are other reasons, but you've got a lot. You don't really understand. It seems really too good to be true, but people that you love, people that you care for have told you, no, it's real. Like This Easter thing is real, and you say, okay. And you believed in the story, but there's never come a time when you said, okay, If I'm going to believe here, I'm going to take my hopes, my dreams, my relationships, my family, my home, my marriage, my kids, my future, my past, my hurt, my shame, and I'm going to lay it all on that man. And if I go down, it'll go down because I was believing in the wrong one, but I am choosing him. Most of us haven't really gotten to that point. We've believed in a story. We're maybe afraid to not believe. Like, we'd, we'd had that growing up. There were some things that our kids were like, hey, is this true? Is this true? And I wasn't ready to share my whole lot, so I just said, I don't know. Let's just try not believing and see how that works. No, 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 no. We, we, we believe. Like, oh, I just, you can if you want. I'm going to choose to believe. Do what you, and I, I knew what I was doing. But, I, you know, you're afraid not to believe. What if, what if I don't believe? Maybe nothing will happen. So we sometimes believe because we don't have an alternative. We're afraid to not believe. But we've never really put our trust in him. We've been afraid to believe. And they were facing the same thing, struggling with how do we do this? You say, well, what's really the difference? Well, the difference is when we believe in a story, we're saying, I think this is probably the best thing for me. I know I'm not going to do a whole lot of studying and digging and moving further, so I'm just going to lean on this. But this is what I was raised in. This is what I know. So I'm just going to continue this tradition. Or, yeah, I mean, mom and dad seem insistent that this is a part of our lives, so I'm just I'm going to lean into that. You're not being rebellious or bad. You're just thinking, ah, why, why ruffle it, you know? I mean, this is a good plan. This is, it makes me a better person. It's a good thing to have purpose, too. That's the story. But when we believe in the person, we're saying, Jesus, I don't just believe the tomb is empty. I believe you walked out of there You kicked death in the face and said, everybody who wants to live in freedom, follow me, and I'll show you the way. That is different. I'm putting my trust in him. It's a completely different kind of thing. And they were facing this. They wanted badly to believe, but they were also struggling with their unbelief. What did they do? They did what most of us do. They tried to do both. (laughs) Tried to be afraid and believe. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, it says, So the women hurried away from the tomb... And these are my caps, by the way. Afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. So they didn't stop and say, of course he's alive. Let's go run tell everyone. They were afraid. I don't know, but 
everything in me wants to believe. And I love how Matthew describes it. He says, afraid, but filled with joy. In other words, I am scared to death to believe, but there is something in me getting kind of excited about the possibility here. And the truth is, joy is not this naive skipping through life, pretending nothing's hard, nothing's confusing. Joy is saying, God, life is hard, and I'm as confused as ever. But I'm going to trust in you, and this is going to be a wild ride, because I believe you're going to get me through this. And we're going to look back, and I'm going to understand a little bit more maybe later, but I'm clinging to you. And there's just a little giddy excitement when you're thinking, this is not on me, God, this is on you. I'm putting my trust in you. If I fail, it's because of you. I am leading and following you, and God is never going to let you down. That's what they were struggling with. I'm afraid, and yet, at the same time, I'm excited. So they decided to outrun their fear. They said, let's just go. We're going to go. We're going to believe. And they took off and started sprinting. I don't have a feeling that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary did CrossFit. Like, I don't think they were that really prepared to sprint back and go find the disciples. So I just imagine these ladies, you know, holding up their, 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 whatever you call that thing they wear. Anyway, they're running around and sprinting. And have you ever tried sprinting and talking and being excited and nervous at the same time? As they're running going, what, what are we doing? What is happening? I don't know. Just keep running. What are we going to say when we get there? I don't know. Who's going to speak? I don't, they're just huffing and puffing and trying to get it out and probably even laughing like we're out of our minds. Like, this is crazy. What? And they're running. And as they ran, as they were on their way to tell, they were expressing more faith than they could have ever imagined. We're going to go. They just killed him because they hated him. And we're going to go tell everybody he's alive and he's our reason for living. What are we doing? If we're wrong, we're dead, literally dead. If we're wrong, we're going to look like fools. If we are wrong, everyone is going to laugh at us. They're going to say, those girls have seen something. They're drunk. They can't can't be trusted. What is happening to them? But they continued to run. And I think that's the tension that a lot of us are living in. We want to believe really badly. But we've been burned before. And we believed in a lot of stuff that didn't come around. I mean, how many of us know what it's like to look in the mirror and say, I should have known. I knew better than to believe he had changed. I knew better than to believe that she was going to do this differently this time. I knew better than to believe that we were out of the clear and we'd never go back. I knew it. I should never have known it. I should never have believed that. Expect disappointment. You'll never be disappointed. That whole thing. You know, that I just assuming this is going to happen. I should have known. I should have never believed. And we've all done that. We've all looked in the mirror and said, man, what in the world were you thinking? You should have never put trust there. You should have never believed there. And what happens, though, is when we get burned like that and we have those experiences, then when you've got this God saying, put your trust in me, we're coming from that background thinking, ah, I don't know. I've tried this before. I've tried going all in with someone before. It didn't work out. I've tried going all in with an opportunity or an open door. I've tried going all in on a situation, and it just didn't work out. And it ultimately affects our willingness to believe. Because we don't want to be burned. We don't want to look foolish. We don't want to feel silly on the other end. All those experiences shape us. But wouldn't you know it, after they decided to go ahead to believe and to run, then Jesus showed up. It would have been easier, and there's no conflict, if Jesus just happens to be the one to go, it's me, go tell them. 
but they hadn't seen him yet. They have to make the decision before they see him. Well, they're running, and they're huffing, and they're puffing, and I imagine laughing and thinking, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. We look crazy. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, it says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Now, this verse, I, I struggle sometimes reading the Bible with the way we translate it in English. Because do you really think Jesus jumped out at three or four women who were just running through, down the road and said, greetings? Like, that's just a very odd well, the way we read it, I don't know. I, I, for one, he would knock them down out of fear. Like, I don't know how that all works out for Jesus just to pop out and say, greetings. So I, but somehow on Easter morning, he caught their attention and said hello. I like to think maybe he said good morning, I, but I don't want to. The Bible's the Bible, so greetings it is. But um, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. He said, good morning, girls. And they fell at his feet, huffing, sweating, spitting, slobbering, just trying to catch their breath, and they just grabbed a hold of him. Couldn't believe it. So thankful, I'm sure, they had chosen to run. I wonder how differently it would have been if they had just stood there in the garden saying, that is no way. And then, greetings. <laughs> and then, well, oh, no, we believed. We were just, we were tying our shoe. We were just, we were getting ready to run. They made the decision before they even saw him. But God seemed to reward that decision by allowing them to see Jesus face to face. And I bet they ran even faster when they got up to go see the men after that. And he said, go tell everybody, I'm here. This thing is real. It's true. And after all that some of you have been through, to think that there is someone who is 100% reliable and 100% trustworthy, I know is a hard thing for you. Some of you are still trying to get close in a new relationship because the other one hurts so badly. Some of you are trying just now to get settled in a position or job or opportunity that you've had for like three or four years because you're just afraid it's going to mess up because of what you've experienced in the past. We have a hard time believing that something could be as good as it claims to be. And Jesus stands there in front of us saying, what do you want me to do? I came all the way. I lived the whole life. I gave my life. I died for you. And then I kicked my own grave open and said, I am here. I am ready to lead all of you out of the prison that you're in in your heart. Whatever you're stuck to, chained to, I'm ready to lead you to freedom and breathe life into everything around you that's dead. What more do I need to do? And I wonder at times, if we were honest with ourselves, how differently our lives would be lived right now if we actually had seen him. If we had seen him die, watched him on the cross, watched him suffocate there, blood all over the gore, the whole thing that we know was true in a crucifixion, we just get uncomfortable talking about it maybe. But if we had seen it, and then three days later, four days later, whenever, sometime in that week, Jesus walked up and said, <laughs> if that had happened, how differently would you be living your life today? I think a lot differently. 
we, we just have this story that we believed in, but we've never really believed in the person. Because if I'm believing in that person, when I walk into work and the boss says, I'm sorry, we're making cuts and you're going to have to go. I'm not losing my mind, losing my dignity, screaming, swearing. I'm thinking, you know what? Peace out. It's been good. God's got me <laughs> moving on. Ladders or whatever, whatever you do to go find a new job. Like, okay, God's going to take care of me. Someone comes and says, hey, man, I got a problem with you from what happened. How are we going to go? Well, I, I, it stinks to be you. I'm moving on. I got my pride and your, no. We'd say, you know what? Come here. Let's kneel down. Let's deal with this thing. Let's just talk to God about this and then move on with our day because there's no sense in this. There's much, much bigger stuff in life. We just move on. If we had actually seen a dead man walk around, everything's different. People come to you and go, you know, there's a low probability that's actually going to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. You can li live with that math, but I saw a dead man live, so I'm good. Like, I'm okay. Nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is out of bounds. Nothing is off the table. Everything, everything can and maybe even everything will happen here. I'm trusting in him. There is no frustration. There's no addiction. There's no embarrassment. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no nothing. That's not good grammar. But there's not anything that Jesus can't handle. Everything is possible with him. If we had been able to see him, I believe things would be different. But we can't. And so Jesus relates to us just like those ladies who went to the tomb and says, you're going to see me, but right now you've got to make a decision. Are you willing to believe? Or are you going to allow your fear to keep you from moving forward? Most of us, and this reference is going to date me, but most of you are living your lives like weekend at Burnings, and you've got all these dead things around you, and you're just going through life. It's good. It's good. Oh, propping it. Oh, no, we're fine. We're fine. You know, this would be okay. We're, we are surrounded by death, and we're trying to hold it together to prove how strong we are. And the God of the universe says, just stop. I know what to do with dead things. Let me have that. Let me handle that. There are a lot of things around you that are dead, and you've given up on hope that it's ever going to be turned around. But the same God who resurrected Jesus from the dead, I promise you, can reach down into your home and take your dysfunctional family and set you up straight again. He can breathe life back into you and give you hope that you never thought was still possible. He can look down at your shame and your guilt and your embarrassment for whatever you've gone through, and he can breathe confidence back into your life and bring you back to where you once were. Some of you have gone through stuff recently, and you, your joy died somewhere down the road. Your hope gone, dreams are out of here. And Easter means that there's a resurrection possible for even that. Your heart, your hope, and ultimately your soul. Earlier in the day, we got to see a picture of that. Uh, Lexi said, I am not ashamed of Jesus because he has raised me up to new life. And that's what he's inviting all of you to. Some of you are already followers of Jesus, and you've experienced that resurrection, but you've been hanging around the cemetery way too long to the point where it's starting to smell on you. You've just given up on life, and it's time to believe again. And it's not just some churchy thing. We come out and go, believe it, and we'll have it. No, no, this is us saying this really happened. There is an empty grave that proves all things are possible. So if you've given up on your hope, your marriage, 
a confidence, a resurrection, a friendship, whatever it may be, know that God is inviting you to place it in his hands and say, God, I'm no longer going to have faith in a concept. I'm going to have faith in a king. I've been living with a story for far too long, but today that story becomes my savior. And that changes everything. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you on this Easter to let this be the day everything changes for you. There's nothing special you have to do. Just say, Lord, you were an idea. Now you're going to be my God. You were a concept. Now you're going to be my king. You were just a good old story that made me feel good. But starting today, you're my savior. Let's pray. God, thank you for 